AI Mentors is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Our podcast, AI Mentors, brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI Mentors cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. You're listening to AI Mentors. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Wally Lofarrell. Wally is a VP of Data Science at MasterCard. Wally, welcome to the show. Hey, JP. Thanks for having me. Now, our pleasure. Wally, let's start with a, a little bit of background of yourself, um, how you first got involved in technology, uh, some of the roles you've held up along the way, leading us up to your current position um, at MasterCard. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. So it's not been a direct route. This is a second career for me. I'm a, originally, I guess I still am, a mathematician. Um, I went to graduate school at University of Iowa and got my PhD in pure mathematics. I worked a postdoc at Boise State University for a couple of years after I graduated, then settled in at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, one of the large satellites to the University of Wisconsin system. There I taught a pretty typical mathematician's workload, so a couple of service classes, a couple of versions of calculus every semester, and one upper-level, like, proof-based mathematics class. And I had a, a little research portfolio that I worked on through the years. At some point, my family and I decided we wanted to raise our child in St. Louis, is where I'm originally from. And low-dimensional topology jobs are not very portable, so it was time to think about a second career. And that's how I ended up back in St. Louis at MasterCard. So yeah, not not traditional at all, but but coming full circle, um, mm-hmm. using using a lot of your your foundational education. So, could you give us some insight into your your role at MasterCard and talking about some of the projects you've been involved in, how data science at MasterCard has changed over your time being there, and, and you know what are some of the interesting things that you guys are currently working on? Sure. So I've been at MasterCard about 13 years. And when I started, data science wasn't a thing. At least it wasn't a thing yet at MasterCard. And I did various roles. At this point now, I'm in the technology side. And I lead what we call AI services. This is one of many um, data science teams in MasterCard. Uh, my team's role is to work on foundational, th- foundational things, so some bigger problems with a higher risk and and a longer lead time to solution. Um, I don't have that revenue hanging over my head. And then we often do internal consulting, usually with the uh, technology side partners on uh, efficiency and cost-saving things. Over the years, either through acquisition or organic growth, the data science practices at MasterCard have grown. But in the past couple years, they've exploded. And now we have teams on the... um, on the product side, you know, in fraud and security detection. On the tech side, there are several teams allied with mine in operations and technology. And it's um, changed from an analytics point of view to a more data science, machine learning, AI point of view. So the title of AI services, and you mentioned that it's gone from early days analytics to now machine learning side. Could you give us some insight into the type of exciting projects that you guys have been working on more recently and how that translates to us everyday consumers? What what data science and AI is driving better customer experience? 
Sure, I can give you a couple examples of stuff that my team's working on right now, some of the larger problems. The, the paradigm, the overall problem I'm trying to address is what I consider making a nervous system for MasterCard's operations, so being able to sense what we're doing. And a couple of examples of that are efforts my teams are working on now. One is uh, tackling the idea of practically practical concept drift detection for all of our machine learning models. Right now, we have uh, implemented monitoring on all of our fraud models to look at both the inputs to them and the outputs from them to notice any changes in the way they're behaving, the models themselves. So benefits to the consumer are things like this can detect um, changes in the, in the, well, simply better security for the cardholders, to be honest with you. So switching direction slightly, it, it would be good to, to discuss, you know, as you've been one of the, the early pioneers of data science in MasterCard and you've seen the organization sort of invest and grow and in more recent years it, it explode in size, could you talk about... Um, how you've transitioned yourself through you know early stage and work work your way through to now a, a, an influential leadership role and and some of the challenges you faced but then uh, also some of the enjoyable moments or, or marquee successes that you had along the way yeah that's a that's a fun question and a good one and I appreciate you asking it right I did not have a background in artificial intelligence or machine learning when I came to MasterCard, and I was lucky enough to find some people in a company that recognized that what I did have is good, really strong problem-solving skills right? you know, this from my previous career. And the ability with you know that training I had in graduate school and as a mathematician to, to learn mathematics and computer science very quickly. So when I started at MasterCard, it was doing ad hoc reporting in SAS. Uh, and while this might seem like a step back, it was a great experience because it got me familiar with two very important aspects of my job, working with serious computing machinery. So working at a university, there's big fancy computers, but nothing like a company like MasterCard has. And so being familiar with driving machines like that um, was one skill I got, and another one, and my coding got better. Uh, but, uh, another one, more importantly, I think, was learning the MasterCard data, in particular at that point, all of our transaction data, which is very complex and varied. Um, and so at that, in that role, this was in uh, what's now called data and services, what was called MasterCard Advisors at the time, was a really, really great opportunity to build my skills from the ground up. It was kind of a consulting environment. After that, I moved into the loyalty group for a while and got the opportunity to build uh, what now are considered pretty simple machine learning models, churn models, uh, likelihood to redeem models, things like this that would be relevant to the uh, loyalty business. It still wasn't anything really called data science, and it was um, sometimes scary trying to explain to senior leadership. Uh, supervised machine learning at that point. Having spent time in the classroom, though, I'll tell you, JP was wonderful, wonderful training for the job I have now in terms of communication skills. Then I got an opportunity to move into the tech side of the company, where I've been ever since, 
in the data warehouse. And the opportunity was to demonstrate my ideas on some data quality issues. And that went well, and that was very gratifying and also afforded me the opportunity to, to hire one or two people. One success led to another, and a couple reorganizations later, the, the role of the team is the same. The job of the team is the same. The team itself is the same. Uh, we are where we are now with eight of us. I think it's great to, to, to hear someone as senior as yourself talk about how uh, what could have been perceived the step back is, uh, in hindsight, one of the best moves you made because it opened mm-hmm. up a whole new doorway. And particularly for uh, more junior candidates, when they're looking to get into to make that transition from academia to industry, they have this vision of what their first role should be. But reality sets in and they're often faced with understanding that they've got to get to where they want to be incrementally so as somebody who's been through that and now hired many people led teams and and ran successful teams what advice do you have for uh, junior individuals or maybe look maybe not even junior at any stage somebody making the transition from academia to industry yeah i, I know I'd, I'd like to write a book about this actually uh, one of the, the the hardest part of my transition was cultural. The corporate world is more vertically oriented. University is not. So as a professor, we faculty voted on running how we would run the department. And professors, they technically have a boss, the department chair, but that that role really is more of a conduit between the faculty and the dean. So understand, oh, and one other thing, in, in, in the academic world, the roles of what you do, what one does in his or her job, they're, they're set in stone. They're concrete. If you're a professor, you're going to teach, you're going to do research, you're going to do committee work, and you're going to do, you know, show up at graduation and some other small things. But it's it's set in stone. And in business, these things are fluid. Um, your job one month might be a little different from it the next month, and that took a little getting used to. So following on from that, Wally, it would be, you know, looking at how you, you've navigated the industry uh, and the changes uh, speaking again to individuals who are um, at different stages in their career, what what guidance can you share on 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 suggestions of, of how to navigate the industry, uh, whether it be looking at it from a, a skill set perspective or um, deciding what what industry you want to apply those skills? Well, from a skill set perspective, it's um, I see it this way, uh, and, and this is how my team is structured. There are some meta roles, I think I call them that, meta roles within the data science world. One is the pure data scientist, the practitioner. And about half of my team are those folks. They have either masters or PhDs usually in some field, some hard science field typically, anything from economics to mathematics. These are the people that will build the algorithms. And I think that Really, to excel in this area, you need that PhD. And one, as somebody who's gone through that process, I just want to add that if you're considering that, if somebody's considering that, do it because you love the thing you're going to study, because it's hard. And if you pursue a PhD with a job at the end in mind, um, it, you're going to be pretty frustrated. Another way to another role on the team and another way to fit into this career quite well, and, and I think in great demand right now, are, are what are often called machine learning engineers. And these are folks who 
who has one foot in the world of data science and one foot in the world of engineering, software engineering. They have a really important role to play. Uh, the, the education needs are a little more relaxed too, right? And so I have a few people on my team that, that serve that role as well. And then there are more of a management or program management type roles within the field too that, that one could take. Uh, um, other teams around MasterCard have those roles. I don't think mine is has that demand for that, but I know it exists. So really probably three different ways that somebody can get into this field and contribute in a meaningful way, I see. You've laid out, you know, several different roles that would make up a, a good data science team. So that, I think it's a good good inflection point to ask, um, what does the ideal data science team look like to you and how do you go about building it? So how do you strike the balance uh, across the various uh, needs that form a, a good, high-functioning data science group? Diversity. Diversity in background. Diversity in personality. A truly collaborative nature. Uh, coming from the world of science, I can tell you that in the past 50 years, no scientific paper that I'm aware of really ever gets written by one author. This is the only way you can be successful at that bleeding edge of knowledge, like scientists, where scientists live. And data scientists live very near there, too. And so I, I first and foremost look at people who have a collaborative nature and who love to learn. Um, but a varied backgrounds are important, too. Um, so I have computer scientists, I have engineers, I have uh, an applied mathematician, um, I've hired mathematical finance people. I, I think that's, that's key. Uh, as far as the balance on my team, like I mentioned earlier, we're split between machine learning engineers and pure data scientists. Not at, This works for my team, this arrangement. Uh, some other organizations do it a little differently where the data science team is, both, is really just the engineers and the machine learning en engineers are on another organization. I think either can work, frankly. Um, I try and keep it balanced, so I have the amount of work flowing from data scientists to the machine learning engineers be uninterrupted for the most part. But bottom line, really, if there's one thing to take away from my thoughts, it's it's diversity in background. I think that's really helpful. And given your own background and how you transitioned to land such a uh, uh, an influential role, and now also hearing that as a leader, you're looking for multiple disciplinary skills and background, it's it's good to hear. And I'm sure it will fill people with confidence who are considering their options and also um, having someone like yourself tell them that it doesn't always need to be a set blueprint. Um, Focusing then on your team and, and the teams you've led over the years, it, it would be good to, to talk about um, how a data science group can add value on, on, on projects and the importance of it and your approach to ensuring that um, you're creating value on the projects that you work on. I can only speak to the way I've had success, and I know there are other paths to adding value in this, in this field, and, and, and so I don't want to give the impression that my way is the only way I think it work. But in my experience and learning some hard lessons at the time, I can tell you that 
it's important to work from some kind of uh, paradigm. We use Chris DM. So if you're not familiar, Chris DM is basically steps in a data science project. The first one's business understanding, and this is crucial. And I make sure my people and myself spend a lot of time with potential um, internal clients on exactly what is your business problem. And while this may sound trivial, it's not. It can take several meetings. It, it, it can be a somewhat painful process at times. But if you don't get the exact agreement on what problem you're trying to solve, it's, it, it's probably going to come back and haunt you at a later time in the project. The next, and this is just really, this partnering on business understanding is part of a larger concept that, that I follow, which is just staying close to the client, period. You need partnership. A team like mine that's not deployed in a specific domain but centrally located, we often have clients that work in parts of the company that we don't understand their business or at least we're far from expert at. And those folks are, and their domain expertise is invaluable. And to ignore it when developing features for a model, for example, is a mistake. The last thing is after the after deployment, assuming that, that the engagement yields some information being delivered to the client. It could be through a process or it could be through a report. doesn't matter. But making sure that they're comfortable with the results, that they're um, able to interpret them and help them to use them to solve their problem. Again, this seems trivial, but it's really easy for data science, data scientists with um, sophisticated mathematical techniques in their head to overwhelm uh, non-data scientists, and then all that work can go to waste. None of the things I said were about the, the, the modeling, the model training, right? The technical aspects that, that may seem a little ironic, but I think the key, I think the keys to success are the parts of the process on either end of the engagement, at the beginning and at the end. You really have to pay special attention then. It probably won't surprise you to, to say that of the several dozen podcasts we've done now with senior leaders, often the, the most important points to the success or failure of a data science project are exactly the things that you've just spoken about, is understanding the business need, really defining what problem are you actually trying to solve, because that operates as your North Star. And that is how you know if you've been successful or not. And one of the pitfalls a lot of uh, more inexperienced data science teams or, or, or individuals can fall into is using the most advanced algorithm or whatever tool or language to to try and solve a problem, but they're solving the wrong problem. So I think it, it's great to, to hear you talk about your approach to doing it. And I like what you said, it, it doesn't require a PhD to, to understand the business problem. You, you've just got to ask the right questions and truly listen and keep asking. Um, focusing then on, on what you look for as an individual, you've talked about diversity being important um, as, to build a team, but from an individual perspective um, and the types of people that you've interviewed and hired over the year, is there any key things that you would you would highlight or, or interview questions that you'd like to, to lean on that help you understand individuals and, and on what's been a, you know any secrets to success that you could offer um, to, to how to interview well for for a position uh, I, I think I have a somewhat unique take on it 
particularly with uh, data scientists with the advanced degrees, I'm going to assume they're technically, that they have technical facility. And I'm also going to assume that, hey, I need to learn R. I don't know R. I'll go learn R, something like that. You can tell that from a resume or a CV. So when I interview people, what I typically do is focus on behavioral things, personally. Um, I think maybe the 15 years in the classroom has helped me um, learn some things about interpreting body language and so forth. But my, the way I, I have really one, I'm going to give away the, my secret here to anybody who may apply for a job with me someday, but really I have one question I ask, and, and that is, I'm looking at your resume, which of these projects you worked on are you most proud of? And I don't care what the answer is as long as there is one. Like, oh, this project here on the string matching, this was the greatest thing, and it was hard, and we had this idea, and it worked. That's what I want to hear, somebody who's excited to solve problems, excited to learn about new things in the course of solving problems. What I don't want to hear is, oh, they're all really great. I'm looking for some enthusiasm. Well, for anyone listening to this, whether you're going to interview Wally for a future job, a MasterCard or not, um, questions <laughs> like like that give you the opportunity and the platform to promote yourself. So it's really an open mic. Make use of it as best you can. Um, Wally, I think that's a great way to finish. Um, this has been incredibly enjoyable. Um, thank you very much for your time. A lot of words of wisdom here. And, uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate your time. Hey, it was a great time, JT. Thanks for asking me. Get the Aldous Advantage. Become a member of the Aldous community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to Aldous members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. That's www.aldous.com. Aldous International, empowering through AI.